Hi, this is Gates McFadden, and I played Dr. Beverly Crusher on Star Trek The Next Generation, and you're listening to Trek Untold. to Trek Untold, the Star Trek podcast that goes beyond the stars. I am your host, Matthew Kaplowitz, and in this episode, we are continuing to talk all about Star Trek Picard Season 3, the final season of Picard. And joining us today is someone who has a true inside scoop on what's been happening behind the scenes on that show. And not only that, but this week's guest has somehow managed to dive even deeper into the Star Trek universe than she already was. And that's a pretty impressive feat. You've previously seen her hanging out in sickbay aboard the Enterprise, but today she is joining us once again on Trek Untold to talk all things Star Trek, and that is Gates McFadden. Gates has played Dr. Beverly Crusher across all seven seasons of Star Trek The Next Generation and has now shown up in Star Trek Picard. Previously, you've seen Dr. Crusher hanging out in sickbay aboard the Enterprise, but these days she's now hanging out in her home studio working on her new podcast. And in fact, the very first time Gates visited Trek Untold was to promote the first season of Gates McFadden Investigates Who Do You Think You Are? This show has been produced by the Nacelle Company, who has been doing amazing things with Star Trek and the world of nerddom in general, and they're now doing podcasts. And Gates McFadden Investigates has just launched their second season only a few weeks ago, and it's been a very, very impressive season so far. If you're unfamiliar with Gates's podcast, it's basically similar to Trek Untold, but she really takes a deep dive with a lot of these folks that she's basically known for years, whether it be from conventions, or she worked together with them, or in some cases, folks she's really never talked to before, who are all within the Star Trek universe, and it's not just, you know, getting inside scoop behind the scenes stuff, it's really just getting to know the people behind the roles. Season 2 kicked off in a huge way, with William Shatner being her first guest, and since then, she's had folks from all different iterations of Star Trek. Besides Shatner from the original series, she had Rosalind Chow and Alexander Siddig from DS9. She's had Tawny Newsom and Jack Quaid from Lower Decks. She is going all over the place with this podcast, talking to every single part of the Star Trek universe. No stone is left unturned, and it's really a must-listen show. But only, of course, after you finish listening to Trek Untold that week. In addition to Gates McFadden Investigates, she's also been part of the Center Seat docuseries that the Cell Company has put out. And that was an amazing, epic saga that spanned the entire creation of Star Trek from day one all the way through into the new iterations. It's one of the most amazing docuseries we will ever get about Star Trek. And that is available on the History Channel and it's streaming on a bunch of other places as well. But the Center Seat also has a book that just came out recently. That's what I've got right here next to me. This is the Center Seat 55 Years of Star Trek. And it was compiled by Peter Holstrom. And what the book essentially is, is it takes all those many, many, many interviews that they did with all the folks who created Star Trek and who are part of making Star Trek happen, and compiled it into different sections, all about the different stages and versions of Trek that happened. So essentially what you're getting is the entire story of Star Trek told from the start all the way to where we are today by the people who saw it and made it happen. Highly recommend the book, highly recommend the series. If you haven't seen the series, definitely track it down and then pick up the book for even more great stuff. There's so many really amazing tales and like this podcast is called Trek Untold, but this book is equally filled with untold stories and likewise, so was the docuseries itself. 
And if you'd like to pick up the series also, it's going to be available on DVD very soon too. So I know I've just ran down a lot of different projects that Gates has been involved in or working on herself. I'm going to have links for all of them, of course, in the show notes. So you can check out her podcast, the book, and the docuseries in whatever ways you want to check it out. So before we get into things, I do want to remind everybody, if it's your first time checking out Trek Untold, please make sure to follow us on social media at Instagram, at Twitter, at Facebook, and also now at TikTok. Yeah, I got a TikTok, but don't worry, I won't be doing any Klingon dances or anything like that. Uh, but I will be posting all sorts of clips from the different interviews I've done here on that channel. So if you're on TikTok, check us out there too. And likewise, no matter where you're listening or watching this podcast, please make sure to subscribe to wherever it is so you can make sure you always get the latest episodes right away. And if you want to get these episodes even sooner, please check out my Patreon at patreon.com slash trekuntold. And thank you to my Patreon supporters for helping make this episode happen. And as a reward, of course, they get this episode early, as well as a bunch of other perks. One last thing before we do get into things, this episode is going to be audio only for the interview. So if you're watching on YouTube, just let me guys know we did not do video for this. That's going to be the case for a lot of these Picard episode interviews. For you folks listening to the audio version, this won't matter anyway, so carry on. All right, so I think we've covered now all the disclaimers, all the social media tags, all that stuff, and we talked a little bit about some of the projects we're going to be discussing this episode, so I think now it is about time we join with Gates McFadden and hear all about what she has to say, because Gates, I want to know who you think you are. So let's check in now with the amazing Gates McFadden. Computer, access interview file. Gates McFadden, welcome back to Trek Untold. Excited to have you again. Oh, thank you so much. It's good to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited. Uh, a lot has happened since the last time we spoke, and we've got a lot of ground to cover today. Uh, and I do want to remind everybody that's listening right now, the first thing we're going to talk about here, your podcast, Gates McFadden Investigates Who Do You Think You Are, has just come back for season two. So congrats. Uh, you returned thank you. a few weeks ago with William Shatner as your first guest, which is huge. Uh, and then you've had <laughs> very diverse seasons so far. So welcome back to the world of podcasting. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I've, I've been really pleased with season two, actually. It's been really cool. I mean, looking at some of the guests you've had, uh, a lot of folks are people you haven't actually worked with before in Trek. So you know, I'm curious what it's been like for you to get to know folks like Jack Quaid, like John Billingsley. A lot of these people you've probably seen at like conventions that you go to, but never really had to spend this kind of time with before. Exactly. And it's been, you know, it's, it, you know, when you sit on a plane and there's somebody who's really interesting, who's next to you, that you just get in this very deep conversation and you find out about each other's lives and you never see each other again sometimes, but that has a bit of what's been going on for me in season two with some of these people who, yes, I, I know them. I, uh, we, we know we see each other at all the Star Trek events. We've uh, been in green rooms together. Uh, sometimes we've been more involved in that, but it's great because I'm getting to know really who they are in that way as if I, we were sitting in an airplane and I can ask them questions about their lives. And I do a lot of research about them all, which again, that's so much fun. I love researching what someone's done in their life and looking at at um, their their work and also listening to other podcasts that they were on and listening to the questions that they've had time and time again and and what, of course, I'm sure you try the same thing. Can I ask a question that hasn't been asked before? It's very hard to do. Yes, and it is. Yeah, you can't possibly listen to everybody's podcasts. I mean, first of all, someone like Bill Shatner, I, I couldn't, I don't have enough time in the day to see <laughs> every video that he's ever done. Um, so you you just, it's a shot in the dark. You, you have some questions, a lot of questions, 
and you see which ones are going to land. I always have more, much more material and then I edit it down. So what I've learned though, is the more material you have, the longer your edit is going to be. And now <laughs> I'm learning, maybe don't ask quite so many questions. <laughs> well, that's the beauty of editing. You get to ask all the fun stuff and then decide later what gets in there. I mean, I, I like that part personally, cause that's my background, but I, I totally get what you mean with that. And what do you mean? That's your background. Uh, I professionally, I'm a video editor, full-time video editor and producer. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Yeah. No, see, and I love editing and I, I've only had a chance to edit twice. Once was with Genesis and the other was in Labyrinth. They let me um, do a bunch of editing. And then of course they, it got changed, but um, I love that process. I think, I think it's like stage directing. I, I really dig it. But it's kind of fun because as a podcaster, I mean, we are live editing. You basically said it. You know, we have our list of questions. I'm sure even today, I'm not going to get through every single thing I want to, but we kind of have to then like live edit, change the story that we as the host are trying to tell with our guest. Uh, do you find that to be like a fun challenge or is that kind of like something that's been a little bit hard for you to wrap your head around? Well, it's, it's been both. Uh, there are times where I think the hardest part, the biggest discovery was that I talk too much and that I don't like the sound of my voice <laughs> and that I have a hundred ticks that I wish I would get rid of. Other than that, um, I want to make the guests look really the great. That's what I want. I, um, you know, my podcast is not about uh, some big scoop or anything. It's really about getting to know someone, making them uh, feel comfortable and, and coming off really well. I want people to, love them as much as I do, you know, fall in love with them as I'm falling in love with them. Uh, so, so yeah, I've learned, I've learned a lot. Um, and you have to, and I've made some mistakes. I've, I've, there's been times where I've gone, no, I, that was the wrong question afterwards. I think, why didn't I do this? And I should have, um, you know, gone, uh, swerved into another area. But I think that's also comes with experience. And I'm, I'm a novice. I'm, I'm really on a learning curve with this. You, you already, I can tell you are much more pro than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I can fake it really well. I think at this point now, uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny to hear you say that, like, you don't like hearing the sound of your voice. And that's when I talk to a lot of folks who want to do podcasts or they want to do YouTube. That's usually the number one reason that prevents them from moving forward with their projects or even just doing anything with it. Uh, and it's so funny to hear, like, you know, and I, I listen to a lot of other celebrity run podcasts, and it's the same thing. I'll hear some of them say, like, I don't like the sound of my voice. Um, you know, I mean, meanwhile, you had Gilbert Gottfried, rest in peace, doing his show on that man's voice. I mean, yikes, but I love the show. Uh, so, you know, for you, what, what has it been like to kind of get over some of those fears uh, and, and confront a lot of, I guess, you know, you know, podcasting is very much a one on one kind of thing. It's you and someone else. But what's it been like for you to kind of just get your head around having to hear yourself, having to be part of this world? Uh, and working in this very different format than you've performed in for the last you know, entirety of your career. Right. Um, I think it's humbling, but I think it's it's good to be humbled um, and to know that you're vulnerable, that you have a lot to learn. I think that's a great place to uh, to live in, you know, every day, because it's when we think we know it all or know a lot that we stop learning, actually. And. I know that I'm a neophyte on this. I know that I listen to every podcast and I go, oh, I could make it better here. And as long as I don't get in a well of self-critique, you know, self-judgment, as long as you can be scientific and say, oh, gee, I should have done that there. Let me try that the next time. That's what I endeavor to do. Like, by the way, the, the 
there's remodel going on in my house. So there's hammering happening. <laughs> a retrofit time. on the enterprise. We'll that's right. That. That's right. That's right. It's all meant to be in my, my <laughs> interview here. I, I think that's the biggest thing. You know, there's a lot of strength in feeling vulnerable if you, uh, if you allow that as a possibility, instead of just feeling that vulnerability is weakness. So I feel when I notice myself get a little like nervous on the podcast and it happens all the time you know even with friends you sort of go oh what how much where where should i go what yeah yeah but the more you can just like chill and go it's okay whatever i'm not trying to prove how brilliant i am to the world i'm trying to find out about this other person and that's when i do my best work is when i take it off of me and i think the default is when i'm nervous i just start chattering <laughs> you know uh and when I'm focused, I can, I, I, I can listen better. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing about being a host is the listening parts to be able to react. It just it is just like acting, really. It's all about reacting back and forth with who your scene partner is. And in this case, it's completely unrehearsed. Uh, you don't know what's going to happen next. It's pure improv at its finest. I I think it's always much better when you're live in the room together. Mm, yeah. Yeah, and I gotta say too, I'm glad you mentioned the word vulnerability a few moments ago because uh, you know I really enjoyed the interview you just did in season two with Kate Mulgrew, and I've heard from a lot of folks she can be a tough nut to crack sometimes. She doesn't take <laughs> fools lightly, and like your interview, just like from minute one, you were going into some heavy, serious stuff. Uh, had you ever spent any time with Kate previously? Not really that much. I mean, obviously we we would you know you're on the Star Trek cruise and you have a drink together or something like that, but no, we had not talked that much, but. Again, it would have been a different interview had I not taken the time to read both of her books and yes. do the research. But it was a fascinating uh, conversation. And it's scary to go into topics that you go, oh, gosh, well, should we talk about this? And But I, I figured, let's just go with it. Everybody's been fascinating. I learned so much about John Billingsley that I didn't know. And I've spent a lot of time with him. But he's a fascinating man. Um and I didn't know Jack Quaid or Tawny much at all. And yeah. I just had a really strong connection with them. I think I, I love the younger generations so much. I really, it, maybe that's, that, that's the mother in me, but I really do. And I find um, they are two sparkling, talented, <laughs> bright uh, people. And I, I, I loved that. And then there's someone like Rosalind Chow. To me, what yeah. what what was upsetting there was we had a delay in our Zoom. And you <laughs> must know this. It makes it oh, so, yeah. so much harder. You're speaking over each other, so you can't use that part because no one's going to understand the words. So that's the challenge. But my gosh, I have always wanted to talk with her. She's just, an, she's really fantastic. Uh, and there's so many others, you know, um, it's kind of like a selfish gift to be able to talk to them. Uh, I'm That's on... why I do this show. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And and folks, definitely do check out Gates McFadden Investigates. It's been a really, really great season. Uh, and your your hosting abilities as well. Definitely. Uh, I'm not. I don't. I feel like I'm such a like low life to say. Oh, you've improved so much. But I can. I can tell you've gotten more comfortable. Is what I mean. I think exactly. You've really. You've really grown into this role. And I can tell you're having a great time doing this show. So, so no, thank you I... for giving us all these new stories. These people. I appreciate you, that you said that. It means a lot, Matthew. Thank you very, very much. Now, you do have some other projects you've done with Nacelle, which I'm going to talk about also uh, in my intro and outro for this episode. Um, but I do want to talk to you about Picard. We can't not 
talk about Picard this season. Okay. And uh, I think in our last interview, we talked about how you said like you wanted to be back in track again. So here you are now in it one more time. Did you ever think this was how Beverly Crusher was going to return to the series? No, not, not ever. I never thought this would be the way I loved the story. I love Terry Metalis. I think he's a unbelievably great storyteller. He and his writing staff put together quite a story. So I, I, I found it thrilling to work on. I'm curious to find out how much you actually knew about the entire season. Like, were you given the entire plot from episode one? Here's, you know, here's the series Bible episode one to episode 10. Or has it been for you like getting each week the, the sides and being like, oh, that's what's happening now? No, we knew. Uh, I knew the arc of the character. I did know what the arc of the character was. And there were bits and pieces, uh, you know, in the details that I didn't know everything because there just wasn't. I didn't need to know every aspect of uh, LeVar Burton's part or whatever. Mm-hmm. But no, I knew the story. We were brought into it. We were well respected um, as actors. Uh, they uh, Terry talked with us about. I wouldn't have done it had I not understood the the arc of the character, and I mm-hmm. loved the arc of the character. And he would listen to things that I would say, "Yeah, but what about this?" And can't we? He, he would listen. Um, you didn't get everything you wanted, but as I say every podcast, <laughs> the show is not called Crusher; it's called Picard. True. <laughs> And I do want to say, you know, right now we're up to episode 308, so we're not going to discuss anything beyond that point because I don't want Paramount to break my knees. But I do <laughs> want to come back to the episode you did in, uh, sorry, the, the scene from episode three. And that's the first time Beverly has a face-to-face with Picard. And it's all about her son. And it was such an emotional and, like, amazing scene to watch you two perform together. Like It was just theater. It was pure theater on, on stage in front of a camera. Oh. And, you know, I know Star Trek shows don't normally have rehearsal time. I don't know if there was any in this case for Picard, but I'd love to hear what you remember from working on that day, having that first like real face to face with Patrick discussing uh, their son. Oh, I was so looking forward to it. No, we what, what the time was taken for the script and just like a day, I lost some lines right uh, two days before uh, and then. I think even the night before there was a shift again hmm. because it was going back and forth of who, whose argument was going to be seen as the righteous one. And I think Patrick at one point felt Beverly's argu- arguments were too strong. And so it got certain lines that I wanted were taken out. But again, this was not a situation where I was crying in my beer because someone had taken out lines. I knew it was a good scene. I felt it was tough because Beverly's character had the most exposition, right? I had to get a lot of exposition in, and that was, that was to me the challenge of it. No, I rehearsed on my own. And I think, I think we read it standing there. We read it once and then we were just put in those two places. And then we moved to where we felt we wanted to move. And yeah, I think we only shot it, you know, we had to do then close-up stuff like that, but basically we didn't spend a lot of time on it. Um, I w- we were both raring to go. So it was it was super fun that way. I loved that. Yeah, it felt very organic. And yeah, the kind of the interesting also about this is uh, you just kind of mentioned how the, the characters, one felt one was more righteous than the other. I feel like that's kind of been the season of Picard in a nutshell, where there's a lot of tough decisions and no one's necessarily making like, exactly. the right decision. 
everybody has has like a lot of motive to say this is the better option, but this is what we're going to do. It's almost like every episode is its own Kobayashi. No, exactly. And that's what's so brilliant about the story that Terry Metalis is laying out. And here's where I feel in particular, it is Star Trek. Even though Gene Roddenberry did not want conflict in Next Gen, and so the crew members rarely were in conflict, although Picard and Crusher were sometimes in conflict over the prime directive versus the Hippocratic Oath of Mm -hmm. do no harm, which I loved. That to me, I wish I'd had much more of that actually, because by doing this, this kind of conflict that they have uh, my character involved with this season, and also when it's when Patrick and I, when she says, uh, I think I'm losing my compass. I think what those are so powerful because hopefully the audience is relating to these characters and realizes it's one thing for us to just say, oh, well, you shouldn't do that. Or she should have told Picard. And there's just, I'm not going to excuse it at all. You see, life is not like that. <laughs> you, There are circumstances like, for example, who would I be to say, about someone who was in the Holocaust. Well, they shouldn't have done that. If I had been, if they had taken me away in the middle of the night, I wouldn't have done this. Well, how can you possibly have, you know, no one knows until they are in that situation. And if your child who you dearly love is being hunted for that long, you have, A, you have post-traumatic stress and you're trying to hold it together. I, I think, People in in our society now need to learn how to stop doing these quick judgments because ethics Mm -hmm. and morality, yes, we should all try to always do the right thing for the greater good. But the characters in this season do that. They might be angry at each other and they might be in conflict, but they immediately almost turn and start to work together and collaborate. And when we do that as human beings, I believe we automatically start to forgive and we start to go forward. And that's what I believe happens in this show. All of us would die for the other characters. And that becomes giving love, actually. You know, not only are you giving your brain and expertise and all of that, but you're really doing things out of love. And it's like we should get off of right or wrong and look at the situation and see how do you live with contradiction? How do you live with ambivalence? Because that yeah. is life. And we are all trying to do the best we can, right? And the more we close off by just making these big judgments, like, no, a woman should not have the right over her own body. No. <laughs> or, you know, you have to you have to just sort of go, why am I so scared about this? Like, let's just listen. Let's just stay still. What if I tried to open up to that possibility that I'm maybe I'm not right? Yes. You know, that's what I love about this season. I really do. And I think it's action packed. It, it Stay tuned. Have you seen through the end? Because stay tuned. Uh, I've only been up to 308. No. And, uh, yeah. So oh I, no spoilers. I, I, again, no, no, want to no keep spoilers. my kneecaps where they are. I'm but, saying uh, just hold on to your seat. <laughs> Oh yeah, the momentum for the season has been amazing, and I, I do want to add too. You know, having just seen three hundred eight, the way the episode ends with basically the crew all together sitting in the ready room for the first time, all as a unit, uh, it, it felt so amazing to see that. Uh, what's the environment been like on set, having the band back together and just getting to play again with all these fun, familiar folks you've worked with for so many years? Well, by the time that we were all sitting around the observation lounge, the fun was, of course, being able to act opposite each other. That was great, and it it was 
easy. I think all of us just fell right back into it. And because the script was so good, we weren't doing a script that was pretending it was like 35 years ago. We were doing a script that brought uh, who we are also as older people. Um, I've said this before. I loved that we were working with different generations so well. I loved that it was this sense of family. That was the biggest feeling is it's a sense of family when we were sitting there. We really do care for each other. We really are close. It's a gift. Um, those friendships are a gift. Those working relationships are a gift. And all of the new people who have been cast in that show are, are amazing. They're so good. Every, no matter how tiny the part, I loved getting to know these people. And then you have Jerry, uh, Ryan, and Michelle Hurd, who are amazing. And Todd, oh my God, Todd just was fantastic. So... You know, sitting in that room, no, when you're in the observation lounge, it always means we're going to take longer to film because we have to get everyone in the shot. So it's like, how can we do this the fastest way? It used to take forever on the Enterprise D. Yeah. And also it was cold and during COVID. So we would always have to mask up. There weren't like yes. shenanigans on the set in the same way. We we would get into quiet conversations because you couldn't talk loudly. We didn't have trailers that were right there. We would drive to the set and you're there for hours and it's freezing. So it was different. When we did the next gen, our trailers were right outside. You could go out and be talking in your trailer and laughing and doing whatever. Uh, if you started laughing and we did several times, they were like, shh, shh. So that's, that's more what it was like. We had more fun, <laughs> you know, talking about it later. So Gates, again, like I said, I have so many more things I want to ask you, but we got limited time today. But I do have to ask one important thing here. Is this the final time Beverly's going to get her hypo spray out or is she going to be hanging up the lab coat for good? Oh, I hope she's not hanging it up for good. Uh, but, you know, I'm mean, who knows? I, I hope uh, that she's around. I did have a little something in Prodigy. Uh, uh, I just did a video game with uh, my space son, Will Wheaton, where it was the mirror universe. That was fun. Oh, nice. um, I know. I, I think that there's I would like Terry would like we all would like to have this uh, legacy show continue where you could focus on different people at different times. It could be maybe not a full season every year that uh, we've seen with uh, White Lotus, how you can do six episodes and it can just be brilliant. You know, you do the number of episodes you need to. Um so I hope not. I feel I am so ready to to uh, do something else with her or uh, I'll, I'll, I'll play a Klingon. I mean, it's just exciting. <laughs> if the story and the script are good, I'm happy. You know, I don't care what character I'm playing. I'm happy. Um, and yeah, so that's that's about all I'll say. I'm not hanging. First of all, I have no lab coat. They, they were so protective of every item on that set. I wish I could say, well, I'm hanging up my, you know, one of <laughs> one of my incredible costume jackets. Your wardrobe is beautiful this season. Oh, wow. my God. And it's really amazing. Uh, I coveted those jackets. <laughs> <laughs> but they're all in the Star Trek Paramount uh, Museum place, whatever. <laughs> Thank you so much for this great chat. I've, been, I've really enjoyed it, Matt. You're wonderful. Uh, thank you, Gates, and congratulations on all your success with the podcast and everything else you're doing over at Nacelle. And I'm loving all the performances you've done on Picard this season. It's been an amazing season, so I'm so happy uh, getting get the band back together to have one more performance together. So thank you for that. Thank you so much, Matt. Be well. Have a good day. 
You too. Cheers again to Gates McFadden for joining us this week to talk about her podcast and to talk about Picard. An amazing time as always. Uh, it's, it's just such a, a great thing I get to do on this show and I get to talk to folks like Gates who've done so much in the world of Star Trek and now around the world of Star Trek too. So again, a reminder, check out Gates McFadden Investigates wherever you listen to podcasts and also check out The Center Seat 55 Years of Star Trek in book form in DVD form and on streaming media. And a reminder, I will have links to all the many things Gates is involved in within the Cell Company in my show notes and in the description on YouTube below. Once again, if you're not already, please follow Trek Untold on social media, at Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, and now at TikTok as well. And please make sure to subscribe to us, whether you're listening to us on audio platforms or watching this episode on YouTube. Thank you again to my Patreon supporters for helping to make this and every episode happen each and every week. If you want to learn how to become a Patreon supporter yourself and get some of the cool perks that they're already getting, check out patreon.com slash trekuntold. I'd love to have you there. And you don't need to be a paying member to join Patreon, by the way. There's still plenty of free updates as well. So until next time, I'm Matthew Kaplowitz. This has been Trek Untold. And remember, fortune favors the bold. Trek Untold is sponsored by treksphere.com. Promoting fan-produced Star Trek content in all forms, is powered by the Rageworks Podcasting Network, and is affiliated with Nerd News Today.